0: This morning, and we're talking about being spirit led, and uh, this is, uh, I believe, the uh, the the goal or the purpose that God would have for every Christian, for everybody who would come into the body of Christ. I believe that uh, God's purpose is for them to be led by His Spirit uh, on a daily basis. This is not a Pentecostal thing. This is not a charismatic thing to be spirit led. This is a Bible thing to be led by the spirit. I, I, I hear churches that would identify themselves as a spirit filled church and uh, I've, I've been guilty of that myself at times. Just, you know, this is a spirit filled church and we are a spirit filled church, but uh, from what I can see and gather from the Bible, the church, the whole church ought to be a spirit-filled church. That's really the only church is one that is spirit-filled and spirit-led. And, and, uh, though sometimes, uh, when we, uh, talk, or when we, when we kind of look at our own lives and we say, well, what is, what is this talking about in scripture about being led by the spirit? What does that look like in my life? Sometimes uh, uh, we we have these thoughts that it, it's unreachable or it's uh, kind of out there and, and I don't know how to bring that into my own life. And hopefully throughout some of this we've been able to uh, break some of those things down a little bit and make them um, be things that we can uh, all attain and that we can understand that God is leading us and guiding us. And we have spiritual markers to do that. We looked at a couple of weeks ago about the fact that it's a journey. It's a journey to be spirit led. That you may have been born again, but there's still a journey that we are on. You may have come into uh, a relationship with God and he may have filled you with the spirit. But that was not the end. In fact, Jesus called it the new birth. You're just then being born again. And to be born again means that you have a whole life left to live. And so in that life, he gave us his spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And we see here in Isaiah chapter 55, I better just get there, in verses 6 through 9, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Don't wait too long. Don't wait until you don't have a, a chance to seek God. There will come a day when that opportunity will be gone. Every one of us will come to a time where God will not be found, whether it be because the rapture has taken place or because the end of your life has, has come. There will be a time when you won't, won't be able to call upon the name of the Lord and you will not be able to seek him but he says seek him while he may be found call upon him while he's near says let the wicked forsake his way let the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our god for he will abundantly pardon i thank god that he has mercy I thank God for his mercy and his grace and that God would see us. It says that while we were yet sinners, he came to save to save us from our sins. He died on the cross while we were yet sinners. If we can go on to verse 8, it says, For my thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. That God's thoughts and God's ways are very different from my thoughts and my ways. And this is what we're talking about when we say we ought to be spirit led. Is that I want his thoughts and his ways to lead and guide and direct me. Rather than my thoughts and my ways. Just for as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways in my thoughts than your thoughts. I heard a pastor uh one time who was giving uh had a, a husband in that was asking just for some advice, some marriage advice. He'd been having some some problems that he had been going through in, in his marriage, and as he was seeking counsel and or giving counsel to the man, he, he asked him the question, well well, what is, what does it typically look like in your home? Do you, uh, what do the conversations look like in your home? And, and the man said, you know, I, I haven't spoken to my wife in six months. He said, well, I think I know where the problem is at. He said, now, why in the world have you not spoken to your wife in six months? And the man said, well, I don't like to interrupt. And I tell that not for marriage counseling, but although let's talk, let's have communication there. But sometimes the same thing I believe is. How it is in our walk with God that God is trying to speak, but here we are and we just talk and talk and talk and we are not listening to his voice that God wants to speak and he wants to lead and he wants to guide and direct us. But here we are sometimes and we, we say, well, I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of ways that I know where to go. And I, and I want to go this way and I want to go that way. And, and God, in fact, I know the best way. And God says, here, if you would just listen to me, if you would just allow me to speak, I have different thoughts and higher ways. That, than than the ways that you would go. And I believe that God in his uh that, that the Spirit of God wants to lead and guide and direct us. If we would just allow him time and allow him space to speak to us, it comes in a very still, small voice. The voice of God. It's a very still, small voice that God speaks to us in. And and I believe that when he begins to speak as as the word of God begins to lead and direct us as the spirit speaks into our life, that there are things that he says sometimes that scare us a little bit. I don't know if you've ever been there. And they scare us because it says there it's 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 uh, getting us outside of the box that that we are comfortable in. That. The ways that God would have for us that are much higher than our ways and His thoughts for our future and, and even, even our present right now, they are so far beyond what we think that we are capable of. And we have this idea of, of how God can use us and how God can operate in our lives and we, we may even, um, we may even kind of look at the church, the body of Christ, and say, well, I see that person being used in ministry. And that's awesome. I'm thankful that God would use them in ministry. And I look at myself and I say, it feels, uh, you know, I, I see myself being ministered to by them. But I don't, I don't know myself if I have a place of ministry for my life. I don't know, you know, where I fit as far as, you know, or maybe we, we think we do know where we fit. And it's it's one that that's we're comfortable receiving. And, and God, though, He says, well, I, I don't want you to just be one who receives, but I want you to be one who is ministering as well as part of the body of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean it all happens on a Sunday morning. It doesn't mean it all happens on a Wednesday, that, that you're the one... Uh, you know, that you're called to that ministry. But everywhere that you go, God has called you to minister. God has called you to be uh, uh, spirit-led and to uh, to meet the needs of the people that are around you. You see, we have um, this, uh, I'm sure you've heard the word paradigm before. Many of you have heard that word, but that word paradigm uh, if we were to define it, it's, we could say it's our basic view of life. It's, it's the way that you look at life. It's, it's your mindset about, about how life is, uh, is constructed. It's, it's your basic view of the church. You know what your paradigm is? It's, it's the box that you have that the church fits within. It's even, you could have a paradigm about God. Your thoughts, your basic viewpoints about the way that God operates. It's an unspoken assumption about how things are supposed to be. That's what a, a paradigm is. It's, it's the, un, it's the things that are in your mind that you have some borders and some limitations that are there about, you know, this is the way that God operates. This is the way that God is going to use me and this is the way that God is, um, you know, God has uh, has made me to be and, and, and I'm never going to go outside of these parameters and God is never going to ask me to go, go outside of these parameters because that's the box that we have built. That's the thing, that's the paradigm that we have about how God should work and about how our life should go. See, the We see the apostles as well having some ideas about how God should work and about how things should go. Let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. We come in here. It's a very it's a transition book. This book of Acts is it goes following. Um. Following the Gospels, the ministry of Jesus, and this itself, uh, Acts chapter 1, is a transition chapter. Um, it finishes up the last of Jesus' ministry, and then we'll see where it's heading. Acts chapter 1, we'll just begin in verse number 1. It says that the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. was the writer of this book, this book of Acts. But, of course, Luke was also the writer of the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, we see him writing about the ministry of Jesus. We see Luke writing about uh, what took place during the life of Jesus. And, in fact, uh, it was a gospel that was about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. The things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus taught, that is what encompassed the, the gospel of Luke. But then he, he uh, divides that, he stops that and goes into this book of Acts. And he begins to write here about all that Jesus was going to continue to do after his resurrection. He says, Jesus was with the apostles for 40 days Following his resurrection. He showed himself by many infallible proofs. He proved himself that this was him. Risen from the dead. And that uh, he he had these interactions with uh, at least 500 people. uh, Showing himself as the resurrected savior. But he said this work is not done. Those things that I started to do and that you wrote about in the gospel of Luke. I'm going to continue to do not just after my resurrection, but even after my ascension into heaven. So here, the way that Jesus is going to continue the work is through the church that is spirit led. It's the continuation of what jesus did when he was here on earth he says i'm going to now do it through the church as long as the church remains spirit-led and that's what this is the acts or the actions of the spirit-led church that's what the book of acts is all about The actions of a spirit-led church. It is them going and continuing that, that Jesus started in his ministry here on earth. And now we see a spirit-led church going and uh, doing the same things or continuing that which Jesus did. Although Jesus himself said, greater things than these, in fact, greater things than, than what you've seen me do in my ministry shall you do greater things. You'll see it in more abundance. Why? Because the church, what, the church as a whole, when it spreads out across the globe, it is going to have so many or so much of a greater effect than what one man, no matter if he was Jesus or not, but that one man whose ministry was confined to one location at that time, uh, could. Uh, the, the whole church is going to now do the work, as long as they are spirit led. But it continues. If we can just continue here in this passage, verse four says that being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but rather wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You're going to be filled with the same Spirit. That I have, that I am, you will be filled with this. And John, he says, John, he's speaking of John the Baptist. John, you saw him baptized with water, but you also heard the words that John said. That he that cometh after me shall not just baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with fire. And the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, will uh, will come uh, rest on him. And he will pour out his spirit. And we see that about to take place. But this is Jesus promising that. Now, here's what I want to just mention. That what Jesus says, the first thing he says, is to go and wait. I want you to just go and wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Now, sometimes we get in this place where we just want to rush God. You just want to go and just just do everything that God, you feel God saying to you. And, and, and God, sometimes he will, you know, he's told them of all the great things that are going to take place. He's told them about all these wonderful things that, that he has set for them to do. But first he says, I just want you to go and wait. Now it's not just a waiting where you're just sitting around, but I want you to go and wait and pray and seek my face. I want you to go and, and and get to a place where my spirit would come and it would fill you. It would consume you. In fact, here this morning, we, we met uh, with all of our, our dream team, all of our... Um, volunteers that are uh, uh, working in any capacity here today. We met at 9 o'clock and we began to pray. We began to seek God's face. Why? Because I want Him to first be, move on me and to lead me so that I can operate in the way that God would have me operate. I don't want to operate out of my own thoughts and my own uh, you know, thought, uh, ways of, of doing things. I want God to lead me. And, and, and you, I would hope would have a, a prayer life even before you come into the church. But, uh, but when we would come in here, I want to spend time before we have a service in prayer, in a, in a place of prayer where God can move us and God can speak to us. And, and that's what he was doing here before he released the apostles, before he released the church. He says, I want you to go and to pray. And they began to pray. And as they prayed, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But but as they prayed, the Spirit of God came into that building where they were at. And it filled them with the Holy Ghost. It filled them with the Spirit. And it it, it empowered them. It empowered them to do things that they never thought that they would be able to do. But God says, I just want you to go and wait. God, I believe, has great things in store for you. Things that are outside the box of what you think are possible. You say, I don't, I don't even know if I want that. God wants it for you. God desires it for you. And as much as you may uh, be, be timid or, or say, I, you know, I don't, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I believe that God has so much more in store for you. That God wants this church to be a, a, a church that is, is multiplying. And you play a crucial part in that. You play a crucial part in the end time revival of this church. Friday night I was, was in a service. We had our, our district conference down in, in Columbus, Indiana this past this weekend. And, and I was praying at the altar following the service and just tears dripping down my face just as, as god is speaking to me the a vision for for the revival that is coming to this church and and not just not just here I, i'm not here just to build up a church and just to fill these pews in this place although i want to see that happen i it i want to see every one of these seats full but i don't just want that i want churches to be birthed out of this church and we need to reach those in every city in every county you know come on there's not Come on, there, there's not a voice, uh, there's not an apostolic voice in in Lagrange County right now that is is speaking there. We need an apostolic church in Lagrange. We need an apostolic church in Auburn. We need an apostolic church in Huntertown, where there is so much. Come on, that is and so much. The, the population there is just booming with with houses being put in. We need and a church there, and and, and we need to be the ones that are reaching them. And I, I just. Tears had tears of streaming down my face of God trying to get me out of my comfort zone or my box that I had, which was, God, fill this place. And God says, I'll fill that place. But I have so much more that we need to do. And you need to release the people to go. And I, here I am preaching now. But I, I felt it. Amen. I believe God has so much more. So much more in store. And we limit him. By limiting ourselves. We limit what God is doing by limiting ourselves. And saying, no, not me, God. It's, that's for somebody else. God is saying it doesn't have to be behind a pulpit. I'm just calling you to go. I just want, I'm calling you to a prayer room right now. So that I can birth something in you. I'm calling you to, to, to go and just wait on me. I'm calling you so that I can, I can place a, a burden in you to reach the lost. I'm calling you right now to a prayer room so that I can get some things worked out in your life. So that you can see who you really are. The way that I see you. And when you go and you wait on the Lord. You pray and you seek his face. All of a sudden, something changes in you and you see yourself in a whole new light because God sees you in that light. God sees you that way. And they did that. They went. Let's let's continue on here in verse six. Verse six, it says, when they therefore were come together, they asked him and they said, Lord, Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? This was the box of the apostles. This wasn't just their box, but this was the box of the Jews of that day, their understanding of what Messiah was coming to do, what God was coming to do he was the purpose in in their minds and they thought they had scripture that that supported this this box that they had it was that just as there had been a moses who had freed israel from the bondage in egypt and just as there had been a nehemiah who was sent from Babylon to, back to Israel to rebuild the walls and rebuild the city and Ezra following him and, uh, and Drup, Jerub, uh, Jerubel and, and all of them that, that came, uh, following the, the Babylonian occupation and, and just as there had been the Maccabees and the Maccabean revolt that was trying to overthrow the, uh, the Roman government and they were seeing some progress in that and just as all of them who had set the people free and phys- from their physical bondage. There was a Messiah that was going to come that would one day completely set them free in a physical way. And they would no longer be held in bondage in the, the Roman occupation that they were under there at that time. They believed, even the, the, the disciples, even after three and a half years with Jesus, they're still looking within their box that was saying all right god now's the time jesus are you releasing us to build the kingdom to set us free from the bondage of uh, of, of the roman uh, occupiers are you is this the time for you to restore the kingdom of israel see pre-resurrection the apostles were frightened they were confused because they believed that Jesus was going to liberate Israel from the Roman rule. And then they see him being arrested. They see him being led to the cross. They see him uh, in all of this and all of their confusion. Here they are. They're simply having to trust. God, I, I still believe that you are in control. Somehow this is going to work out. I, I still believe that he was the one that was going to set us free. And, and I, I thought he was going to lead us. To be able to build this kingdom. To set us free. And then they see him upon that cross. I believe that some of their hopes were dashed. That, that some of them they were, uh, they, were finally, they, were, they were in a place where it was. Well maybe I just wasted all that time believing that he was the one. But now the, the resurrected Jesus gives them hope once again. Gives them hope. This was the one. This was the one that came to set us free. But yet still they had a box. Still they had parameters in which they thought God was working within. And and in their mindset it was that now that Jesus is resurrected. He's come back to lead us to establish this kingdom here on earth. But Jesus is. His purpose was not to establish a physical kingdom of Israel but to establish a spiritual kingdom and that's what he did when he came and he conquered death, hell and the grave. He established a spiritual kingdom and and he did that through speaking new life and now he's doing that through uh, telling them to go so that they can be filled with this spirit so that his kingdom would would uh, remain and it would be uh, planted here on this earth and so we continue, if we, if you can, just go to verse seven of Acts chapter one. Jesus' response to their question: He said to them, "It's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in His own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts." The earth, Jesus is telling them that you are going to play a part in establishing a spiritual kingdom, it's not for you to know. The exact plan or, or it's not for you to know exactly how all of this is going to play out. Understand that God is the one that's in control. We're not the ones that are in control. The first step in moving beyond the box of our limited view is acknowledging that God is in control, that I can trust Him, that God, if you tell me to do something, if you are speaking to me to, to, to move in a, in a way that, uh, you know, is beyond what I thought, uh, what I thought my calling was or my purpose was, then God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. I believe that you know what you're doing. And then verse eight, we see that, that limited perspective that they had that was a physical kingdom of Israel being built. Jesus is far expanding that to tell you it's not about just here, but we're going from Jerusalem where we are, where we are at right now, from Jerusalem to Judea which is the region around them, to Samaria, which to them was an unreachable place. They, they, they thought that the Samaria, Samaria, I mean, that's just a bunch of sinners that are going to hell. They have no chance. But Jesus says, you're going to go to Samaria, and you're going to go where? To the uttermost parts of the earth. This isn't about reestablishing the physical Boundaries that Joshua established way back then. This isn't, a, this isn't about reestablishing the kingdom of David when Israel was at its height. This isn't about going with those boundaries. No, he says we are going to establish a spiritual kingdom. In fact, you are going to establish a spiritual kingdom as long as you are led by the spirit. Let's get outside of the box that you have in your mind that is confined by boundaries. And let's go to, to the uttermost parts of the earth to establish that which I have called you to do. So you still have a promise to receive. You still have a mission to live today. Today God is is establishing in you uh, some some things that that perhaps he has spoken to you some time ago that that God he has a purpose and a plan for you to establish his kingdom here on this earth. I'm so thankful for those in our church that are stepping out uh stepping outside of the box here recently of of what they're comfortable with. We have um, we have those, uh, in fact, if I can, uh, didn't ask him for any permission for, for doing this, but we have, uh, Hector Martinez has been, uh, just, just working so, uh, so much with, uh, with a, a young man that, um, in, in doing so, and he's kind of just bringing him on and, and just having him, uh, ride with him throughout the day on, on certain days in, in his actual, in his job. But in doing so, he's, he's, he's planting little seeds in him. And he's, he's, he's telling you, know, this is a young man. He doesn't go to this church. He, yeah, I don't know if he's connected to a church at all, but he's been planting seeds about, about what God is is doing in his life and, and about what it is to live a spirit filled life and to, and to be a, to live a new life in Jesus Christ. And, and he's, he's just planting little seeds here and there. And it's not just about getting somebody in the building right now so that they can experience a service, but no, I want them to know that Jesus Christ has changed me and he has he has transformed my life and let me tell you about what he's done so that he can do it for you we have we have other individuals that uh, they have been been, been, uh, ministering to people that that has been outside of their comfort zone that have had uh, been sharing their testimony about what God has done in their life and it's, it's not comfortable for them. They, they say, I've never done this before, but, uh, but I, I'm trying to get outside of the box of, of, uh, what God has, uh, what I have always thought God has called me to, which was basically to come to, uh, to sit here and to, to minister within these four walls. But I, I know that God has something far greater than that. And that he has called them, he has called, and I believe that the same, same is true for you, that God has called you to get into the lives of people, to become friends with sinners. Jesus was a friend of the sinners. Become friends with them, Why? Jesus didn't come for those that are whole. He came for those that are sick. Why? Because if you want to know who was a sinner, I was a sinner. But Jesus came and he set me free from the bondage of sin. And none of us are perfect. There's nobody in here who is perfect and this church is for per, this church is is for imperfect people but, but we serve a perfect god who is able to come and restore and repair everything that we have uh every everything that we feel that is broken in our life god wants to come and he wants to mend those broken hearts and god wants to repair those things that have been broken down in our life and god has such a greater purpose in store for you and here I am. I've been preaching. Well, we're not going to get through all of this today. But but I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for you that is outside the box where you're at. And and, and, and I'm thankful for people that uh, that minister here inside of this church. I'm thankful for every one of our Sunday school teachers. And, and we have people who are uh, even now saying, uh, I feel a call to begin to minister in some of these areas. And I, I feel... You know, God drawing me to minister to children that I've never done that before. And I'm thankful for that. They're getting outside their box of what they thought was possible for them. But, but God has even called us to go outside of here and to minister where you're at, where you live, where you work, where, where you play, in the, in the areas of your life where you, uh, where, where you have that, um, you know, those, those people that you see on a regular basis. God is calling you To reach them, God is calling you to get beyond the box. See, the Spirit divinely orchestrated different events to lead the church beyond its limitations in order to fulfill the mission that He had for the church. The ascension of Jesus, Jesus going up into heaven, the fact that He was not going to be here with them. For the remainder of their time here on earth, that was, uh, I'm sure, a scary thought for many of them. You mean you're leaving us, Jesus? You're you're just going? You actually trust me? Oh, anybody ever felt like that? <laughs> like God, how can you trust me? I don't even trust me. I don't even trust myself with the responsibility that you placed in my hands, but God, he trusts you or else this would have never been his plan. He would have just stayed here. Jesus could have lived for all eternity here on earth. He could could still be walking around right now and ministering and and doing everything that needed to be done. I mean, if Methuselah lived to be almost a thousand years old, Jesus, I mean, he could be here 2000 years later. But he didn't. That's not how he planned it. He says, "I trust those who I would fill with my spirit. I trust you." And You may say, "Well, I, I don't know. I, I I do things that are that are wrong. I do things that uh, you know that uh, make mistakes, and, I, and I, I question myself and this and that, and and I, and I go up and I, and I know I, I you know I should." I should have conversation with somebody about what Jesus has done in my life, but I stumble over my words or I'm afraid I'm not going to know what to say. And God says, just go. Just be friendly. Just be a friend to them. Just let's 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 get outside the box of what we we think for ourselves is possible and and just trust that God is leading you and that he will give you the words to say. That's what He he promised. He says in the time. In which you go, and and, you, and that you're there, and you're ministering to somebody. Don't worry about what to say. I'll give you the words to say. I'll I'll help you to know what to do. Just just follow my spirit. Follow my lead. Understand that that it. it it's, it's God that's working in us and it's the Spirit that's leading us. And, and when Jesus ascended out of the, he, or up into heaven, He was leaving, uh, He was leaving the, the, the church. He was leaving the disciples that were there, but He didn't, He didn't leave them because He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I will, I will come back down. My Spirit will come and it will fill you and I will still be there with you. I'm not leaving you. My Spirit will be in you. I may not, be walking next to you, but now I will be in you. I'm not leaving you at all. And so, what Jesus did by, uh, what the Spirit did by, divinely orchestrating this event of Him leaving, it, it allowed the church to go and to be Spirit led every day of the week. We see the persecution of the early church, which they may have looked at, and, uh, some may have looked at, and said, "Well, I think we're done." They're going to kill us. But no, the Spirit, I believe, prompted the persecution. That there was persecution that came against the church. But it was because they were confined there to Jerusalem. And God said, or Jesus had told them, I want you to go not just to Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria, to the other parts of the earth. We're going to go and bring this everywhere. And that's what happened when the persecution took place. The greatest persecutors... Conversion. Paul, his conversion, led to an unprecedented revival. These events that happened early on in the in the church, we see the Spirit moving. You see a Gentile family's prayer meeting that led to multi ethnic evangelism. We see Cornelius. He was the one. He was a Gentile. he's praying, and as he's praying, God then spoke to Peter. And, and he, he sent an angel to Peter and, and he, there were some men that came and led him to Cornelius' house, this Gentile. And we see a multi-ethnic evangelism that began to happen following that. And, and we see these pivotal moments in their life where they had this box in their mind about what was possible. And God's saying, I want you to get, so- get outside the box. I want you to get outside the box of what you feel your life has, has led you to and, and has told you what's possible. God with God, all things are possible. Amen. I better wrap this up. We have our classes that are making their way back in. Let's just talk real quick about your box. Your box, just like the apostles, we all have our own view of God. We all have our own view about the world and about what God's mission is for uh, for this world, for reaching the world where our, where we play a part in this. We have our own box. I can just ask the question, what do you expect God to do in your life? And you may be 30 years old right now, or you may be 80 years old right now. But what do you expect God to do in your life? Does he still have a purpose and a plan? Do you, are you boxing him in today? Are you Or are you allowing the spirit to continue to lead you? Do you have expectations? Are those expectations scriptural expectations? How do you respond when God is asking you to step outside the box? Do you tell him, no, God, this is the only thing that I am comfortable doing? Or do you say, all right, God, let's get outside the box. I'll trust you. I'll I'll let your spirit lead me. What what do you fear about the mission that God has for your life? Are there things that you fear? Are there things uh, that you have? What would it take to trust God with those fears? Pursue to pursue the will of God for your life, to pursue his mission. What would it take for that? Tell you what it would take me spirit-led. If you allow the spirit to lead you, it will take you beyond the box of anything that you thought was possible. We have there at the very bottom this thing, and I'll just explain it real quick as we're wrapping up here this morning. This is in clinical psychology a uh, a window into. The way that we view ourselves and the way that others view ourselves. And we we see the Johari's window about the things that are open, the open self, the, the areas of our life that uh, that you know, we put out there and that others are able to see. But there's also areas of our life that, that we keep hidden that we don't want anybody to see and we never give them access to it. We have access to that. There's there's other things that are a blind self, some areas that we are completely blind to. That uh, when others see us, they see us in one light, and you may not even realize it. And then there's there's a whole other area of your life that is is unknown. It's an unknown self. And and here's this is something I'm not going to get into all the clinical psychology stuff. But here's what I want to say: is that when you are spirit led, when you allow the spirit to begin to work in your life. It begins to work in every one of these areas of your life. It, it unlocks potential in you. It, it unlocks some things that you have tried, that you have kept hidden because you're afraid to show that, that part of yourself. But it's a testimony about what God is doing. It, it unlocks the, the, the blind self and the, the way that, that you are able then to interact with others. Uh, when when it, it begins to give you insight uh, on how to interact with others in a, in, a, in a better way, and it unlocks things that that you had no idea was the potential that was hiding in you, and and when you are spirit led, it will begin to go into every area of your life, the things that are knowable and the things that are not knowable right now, and it will begin to draw things out of you where you never thought that this was possible, but God says there is uh, so much greater within you that. I have in store for your life that you would ever, ever think. God has great plans for your life. God has great plans. Amen. Can we just stand in this place as we've all gathered in here right now? Amen. If somebody could just lift up a hand.